What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another undefeated episode of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Yes, that's right. The Philadelphia Eagles are 4-0, riding high after a big overcoming adversity comeback, quote-unquote, win against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the rain, in the cold, at Lincoln Financial Field during Week 4. We're the only ones still. The only undefeated team remaining in the NFL. Uh, everybody is starting to put some respect on our names as a damn good football team. And it feels great. And the Eagles have their next big test this week as they head out to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray, Call of Duty, Cliff Kingsbury, J.J. Watt, and good old friend Zach Ertz and the rest of the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be a Homecoming of sorts for Hassan Reddick as uh, he gets to go back and play against Arizona two years in a row. He did so last year with Carolina as well. And Zach Ertz getting an opportunity to play against the Eagles uh, in a Cardinals uniform. Um, so it's going to be a very emotional game at the start, but like we've done the last three weeks. Hi, Carson. How you doing? Hi, Doug. How you doing? Hey, Zach. How you doing? The Birds have a big test ahead of them on the road here. And uh, I'm feeling very good about it. And, you know, we're going to dive into the ins and outs of this game, how we're going to feel about it with my good friend and good friend of our network, Johnny Venerable from now PHNX Sports, doing PHNX Cardinals content, obviously. Um, Johnny is fantastic. He's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. He does an incredible job covering the Cardinals. And uh, it's definitely something you guys are going to want to tune into to get ready for this game but before we get started make sure you're following us on social media at underground phi twitter and instagram facebook.com slash underground sports phi uh you can follow me on twitter at kbizzl311 make sure you guys subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia podcast feed apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast because that's where you get every single episode of eagles enemies during the Eagles season. It is on our main feed, so go subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It helps more people find the show and tap in underground for the best Eagles content out there. And of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. You get full video episodes of every Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast. It includes Eagles enemies. It includes Underground Sports Philadelphia, Outside the Box, Top Bins, Getting the Whole Streamer Season, The Dan Russo Show. All of our shows are in full video form on our YouTube channel. We're on that road to 1K Gauntlet Challenge. So subscribe to our YouTube channel and help us get to 1,000 subscribers as our number one goal for our YouTube journey here. Uh, but without any further ado, let's get into it with Johnny Venerable, Eagles Cardinals here. On Eagles enemies. 4-0, everybody. We are 4-0. The Philadelphia Eagles facing their, their toughest test so far this uh, 2022 campaign. They get a big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars in the rain, in the cold, against Dougie P. And uh, now they're heading out for, I guess, more of the 2017 uh, friendship tour as uh, Zach Ertz and the Arizona Cardinals are next up on the schedule. And there's no better way for us here on Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, than to have our good friend Johnny Venerable, now with PHNX, to break down this matchup with the Eagles and Cardinals. Johnny, welcome back to the show. 
uh, since the last time you were on. Congrats on the new gig. And Thank you. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they are a, a frisky bunch. And like we said before you, we started recording, you said they haven't won a home game in a year. So this yeah. is going to be a big test having the 4-0 Eagles coming into town. Yeah, uh, this is this is one that I feel like a lot of the fans are cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, uh, this Eagles team is the real deal. Uh, the Cardinals and Eagles are kind of Kendrick spirits in a lot of different ways. You know, they've got coaches that a lot of people are unsure about. They've got Oklahoma quarterbacks. They've got explosive offenses. It's funny. I was talking to somebody recently about you know the Andy Isabella miss that they had caused them to go out and trade for DeAndre Hopkins, very similar to Philadelphia, missing on a certain first-round wide receiver, then remedying that and trading for A.J. Brown, uh, why they've got uh, their young quarterback on the rookie deal. So a lot of similarities between the two. Hassan Reddick, of course, the ties there, the Zach Ertz ties, of course. So uh, I I enjoy watching the Eagles play. I hope they don't play well this weekend. But uh, just looking at the landscape of the NFC, they're clearly one of the juggernaut teams just based on – you know, Howie Roseman has put together, I think, another Super Bowl caliber roster, even though a lot of people wanted him fired. Again, very similar to Steve Kime in Arizona, who has done a couple different, you know, playoff regimes, different head coaches, and, and have had some success, maybe a little unconventionally. I think the Eagles draft better than the Cardinals. But yeah, a lot of similarities between these two programs. And the Cardinals would love to be able to have a statement win over the what is really the best team in the NFC right now. And, you know, you look at, how the Cardinals have played this year. There's been some, there's been some ups, there's been some downs and there's been some ones that they've, you know, been able to squeak out, especially week two, uh, you know, where Kyler Murray and then that defense propel them to that win over the Raiders. But yeah, what, what has it been like, you know, covering this team through the first four weeks uh, from your perspective and just seeing how, you know, like we mentioned before we started too, like just trying to stay in that 500 range, maybe a little above before Deandre Hopkins comes back from his suspension. Yeah, it's funny, just if you take like the pulse of the national media, most people feel like this Cardinal team uh, is going to be picking in the top 10, which is crazy because Vegas had them as a borderline playoff team when the season started. And all they've done is they've won the games they're supposed to, and they've lost the games against Kansas City and the Rams that they were not favored to win. So it's, you know, they they could not have played much worse in that first quarter of the season, and yet they're 500 in a very average, I think you would agree, NFC with seven playoff spots. So you mentioned it. I mean, they, they get to play Geno Smith twice. They get to play Jimmy Garoppolo twice. They've had a bunch of success with, um, you know, their schedule is, uh, I, I think, much more manageable than people thought when the season began. But they have to play better, undoubtedly. And it, it starts on offense. The defense, I, I, less talented than last year, less talented than the offense, but is playing well over the course of the last two weeks, allowing 16 points per game. J.J. Watt's been playing well. Zach Allen, who a lot of people don't know about, former third-round pick out of Boston College, is really blossomed, fourth-year player. They do not have a significant edge presence anymore. They lost Hassan Reddick, who now resides in Philadelphia. They lost Chandler Jones. So that position isn't a little bit of flux, but where they do have talent is on the back end, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, very formidable safety combination. I, I do think that the defense is going to play well on Sunday, and it really is just going to come down to can the offense make the most of their opportunities? Because Kyle, where this team has struggled, the consistent three and outs, the slow starts, they're the, I think the only team in the NFL to not have scored a single point in the first quarter this year, which is crazy. Um, they've been a second half team and you can't do that against Kansas city and the Rams and expect to win. You, you might be able to get away with that. And you have against the Raiders and the Panthers, but a team like the Eagles, 
team that loves to, to front run. I mean, I've watched a good amount of Eagles games so far this year. And, you know, frankly, outside of some, some inclement weather, I think that they would have probably blown out Jacksonville even more. So I, I don't think that score was an indication of, of how lopsided I thought that was going to be. Uh, but you look at the Eagles game against the commanders. I mean, they just, they've been runaway kind of front runners. They did the same thing against the Vikings. If the Cardinals play that kind of game, they will lose significantly. They, they don't have the horses without DeAndre Hopkins to score quickly and come back. But if they can keep this a one possession game, third, fourth quarter, they'll have their best opportunity to break this home losing streak. We mentioned Zach Ertz at the at the top there. What's it been like having a Philadelphia's chosen son in Arizona now for close to a full year? It's been weird in the sense that they traded for him last year. He immediately becomes their best tight end of probably 20, 25 years. And we kind of tele- telegraphed that at PHNX. I had heard some rumblings that they were going to make the move. Um, it was, I, I think, a very good deal for the Cardinals based on what they had to give up. Then they re-signed him in the offseason. And so everybody assumed, including myself, he was going to get a ton of targets and, and maybe break some records this year for the Cardinals, some pretty modest ones from the tight end position. But if if you remember once upon a time, uh, he had an heir apparent in Philadelphia that was a high draft pick that fell to the Eagles and Dallas Goddard. That's what's happened in Arizona. It hasn't fully transpired yet. The Cardinals re-signed Ertz to a three-year deal, and then they had a player by the name of Trey McBride fall to them in the second round at Colorado State, and they took him. Uh, and so those two, the relationship, the dynamic, I think is going to grow as the season progresses. McBride not active in the offense up until last week. He had a couple catches. They've been running a lot of two and three tight end sets. So while Ertz, I still think, and he has, will get the bulk load of the targets, you know, I, he signed a three-year contract. We'll see if he, he plays the entirety of that deal. McBride's going to force his way on the field because he's such an immensely talented player, especially receiving but, I mean, Ertz has been everything you want as a leader, as a professional. He and J.J. Watt are inc- incredibly close. Their wives have a relationship. So that has been a seamless addition where I think you can see the limitations in his game is the yak is no longer there. Um, so typically when when he catches a ball, he goes down immediately. Um, that explosiveness once upon a time that helped you know, bring Philadelphia championship, that's kind of tampered off as well. Basically, he is very similar to, I think, somebody that the Eagle fans know well, uh, Jason Witten, uh, in his later years in Dallas. That's that's kind of who Zach Ertz is now. He catches a pass, he goes down, but he can get open, and he's got tremendous hands still, and he's got a great rapport with Kyler Murray. Have you found it kind of surprising now that, you know, they have Zach Ertz, they have Trey McBride, that Cliff Kingsbury, these first six weeks of the season, do you feel like you would have wanted to see more of a two tight end set from this Cardinals offense to kind of, you know, weather the storm of not having that big explosive wide receiver who, you know, any given year DeAndre Hopkins is in the conversation as a top three wide receiver in the entirety of the NFL. But to kind of, you know, mediate that, are you surprised there hasn't been more of an influx of those two tight end sets from this offense? Yeah, it's disappointing. Cliff has not been great to begin the season. I think he would tell you that. Uh, it's disappointing because he had moments last year, especially when they're ten and two, where his creativity was on consistent display. Out coach Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll on a number of occasions, and we just haven't seen that so far this year. Uh, he's been very rigid with what he wants to do, uh, and they, as an organization, have not been great about developing young talent, especially in their first and second year. McBride should have been playing week one when the Cardinals were down to, you know, second, third, fourth string receivers playing key roles. Um, I think that that held them back early on. Hopefully they've remedied that. The Cardinals can run the ball effectively. Their offensive line 
is is incredibly underrated. It's, it's probably a top 12, 13 unit in the NFL. And they've got a stable of backs led by pro bowler James Conner. But they've got Eno Benjamin at Arizona State, Daryl Williams, very capable runners. And they've got three plus tight ends. Max Williams, who their third tight end, I mean, he's a tremendous run blocker. Cliff gets pass happy. There's no other way around it. Kyler Murray leads, inexplicably leads the NFL in attempts. Uh, and that should not happen. I mean, Kyler's a tremendous passer in and of his own right, but they are too reliant right now on the passing game. That doesn't just have a full stable of horses yet. You mentioned Hopkins. He comes back. Eagles avoid him. He'll be back uh, the week of October 17th against the Saints. But now, I, I mean, when the Cardinals allow Kyler Murray to run 10 or more times in a game, I think they're 11-1, and 12-1, something ridiculous like that. So uh, whether that continues this week, I don't know. The biggest issue... I think that we've seen Kyle's in those first couple of games when they weren't competitive defensively. Cardinals really couldn't establish anything because that you know you have to throw to come back against Patrick Mahomes and company. They looked up; it was twenty-four uh, nothing. Same thing against the Raiders; they got out to a to a big margin. They had to overcome. So I would imagine they're going to try to run the ball at Philadelphia. Whether or not they'll be successful, that's you know to be determined. Yeah, you bring up trying to run the ball and. Uh, looking at what the Eagles were able to do against the Jaguars, especially in that second half, stopping a James Robinson, a Travis Etienne. Um, you know, how do you expect Cliff to kind of combat what the Eagles present, especially along the defensive line, whether it's Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, the 300-pound brick wall known as Jordan Davis, who fell to the Eagles in the first round this year, Josh Sweat on the other side of Brandon Graham, yeah. like, the depth that the Eagles defensive line presents, I feel like is such a struggle for almost any team because they have guys that can rotate in and out and stay fresh. How do you view that from the running game perspective to try to get that going with James Conner? And then, you know, with Kyler being a mobile quarterback, how do you kind of view him, you know, trying to navigate and staying away from all of those guys that are going to be running after him on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I watched Trevor Lawrence really get beaten up in the pocket last week, and and the inclement weather didn't help. Um, Kyler has done a good job outside of a pick six last week, and Aaron throw not turning the ball over. So that's that's number one is he can't be forced into Aaron throws. You have to live to fight another day. But just nothing looked easy for this offense until about second half of last week against a pretty good Carolina defense. Just rhythm passing. They have not been able to really stretch the field much given the lack of quality personnel combined with the pass protection. You know, I, I mentioned the offensive line being a plus for this team. They're not outright dominant. And and so you kind of take what you can get with them. The Cardinals right now are a little bit of a nickel and dime offense. The big explosive plays aren't there. So I would say it's it's Cliff Kingsbury not getting cute. Last week he he was gutting uh the Panthers in the first half on the first drive of the game. Um, with inside zone, inside runs, and they got ended up in the red zone with a fourth and one. He tried to end around with five, seven Rondell Moore, and it got snuffed out in the backfield by Brian Burns. Like those are the kind of things where Cliff Kingsbury just cannot help himself. Um, and so I, I think the Cardinals would be wise to utilize the screen game, get, you know, Philadelphia's back seven out in space, slow down the pass rush a little bit. But again, it's going to come down to are the Cardinals able to establish the run? Can they get James Conner 15 to 20 touches? Can they get Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin five to seven touches apiece? Can Kyler Murray kind of set the edge? Kyler Murray, again, he, he does not want to run. He is not somebody like a Lamar where you can have inside zone with him on an RPO. He will get banged up and he will not make it. And they have made it a precedent to keep him healthy for 17 weeks of the season so they can be competitive. And if you're having him run inside, like on a Jordan Davis, that's not a smart decision. 
uh, and Nicobe Dean, if he's still playing, you know, linebacker, this Philadelphia is too physical in their front seven. As you mentioned, they're too fast. We all know what Hassan Reddick can do. Brandon Graham's been in this league a long time. So I would say trying to get the back seven, expose the safeties a little bit. You know, Hollywood Brown has been very effective this year. It's one of the more underrated pickups of the off season. A lot of people scoffed because Philadelphia got AJ Brown for a song, but then they immediately had to pay him. Hollywood Brown's making no money for the next two years. He's got a rapport with Kyler Murray's eighth in the NFL in receiving yards. Uh, he he has been the catalyst offensively for what they've wanted to do in the passing game. So that matchup against Darius Slay is one to watch. I've been bringing this up to people, and it's it's very funny that it took until about 2021 for NFL teams to be like, hey, maybe if we get our superstar quarterbacks their best friends to play with, they'll yeah. play better. You yeah. look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Tua, you get him Jalen Waddle, and then you go get him Tyreek Hill, Jalen Hurts, you get him Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, now Kyler Murray, you get him Hollywood Brown. It's almost like it you know, helps team rapport a little bit to yeah, have, be able to play with your friends. Um but you bring up Darius Slay, Hollywood Brown, and um, you know Darius Slay got a little nicked up last week, um, but seems to be pretty okay. But that matchup is is definitely intriguing to me. But I know you know just from following you on Twitter, you have not been too fond of everything that's gone on with AJ Green uh, mm-hmm. this season. And you know if he's drawing that James Bradbury matchup, um, it kind of just leaves Kyler just Hollywood Brown versus Darius Slay. How do you yeah. view, you know, that matchup kind of just breaking down and then on the back end having a potential, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson there to back up uh, Darius Slay? Cardinals passing game, it, what the Eagles are going to see Sunday is not what it's going to look like in November and December because they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, A.J. Green practicing this week, I'm surprised by that. He had been banged up. He'd missed last week's game against Carolina. I, you know, frankly, I thought he was, his career might be in doubt. But he looked washed before then. I don't think there's any desire to rush him back onto the field. Um, they have Rondell Moore, who they are dead set on implementing second-round pick from last year, who has been used more as a gadget gimmick player. We have not seen his route tree expand to a real every-down wide receiver, which is unfortunate. Greg Dorch, Antoine Wesley are two, team, or two names I want to let your audience know to, to watch out for on Sunday. Dorch. That was a preseason darling that was second in the team in receiving yards each of the first three weeks. But Rondell Moore's resurgence last week, he only had one target, one reception for six yards. I think it would be in the Cardinals' best interest to, to kind of – he's a little bit of a poor man, very much a poor man, Steve Smith, undersized, but can pick up first downs. He's going to return punts for them. And then Wesley in particular, big body receiver, 6'4", was with Cliff at Texas Tech. Tore up the Cowboys in Week 16 last year. Two touchdowns in the Cardinals' victory. They're going to look for him in the red zone. And then I, I think just you know the ascension of tr- somebody like Trey McBride. Um, the Cardinals' receiving core is a little bit like let's roll with the hot hand outside of Hollywood Brown. I think it's going to stay that way until Hopkins comes back. So if you told me you know Antoine Wesley played a role and had 60 yards and a touchdown, I'd believe you. Same thing for Dorch. Same thing with Rondell Moore. So uh, it, it's kind of pick your not pick your poison, but you know, as far as who's Bradbury going to be covering, I, you know, if, if they're watching film this week, if they're watching tape, I, I couldn't really even tell you because the receiver room has been just kind of a misfit toys, you know, running around and picking spots and finding musical chairs s type of receiving room outside of Hollywood Brown. To, your guess is as good as mine. I think in a perfect world, Rondell Moore would ascend and compliment Hollywood Brown, but I'm just, I've not seen enough consistency from the former Purdue standout to be able to say he's going to be their guy this week. So who knows? 
And you know, with with him going on what Von Miller has called his uh, his campus tours, do you think potentially, you know, once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, you have Hollywood Brown, you kind of go, you know, what the Rams did last year, maybe bring OBJ in for a visit and see if if there's a fit there for this Cardinals team. I've can't, I've championed that. Uh, I don't think that's something the Cardinals have an appetite in because of the fact that they have invested so many premium picks in receivers. Rondell Moore was a second round pick. They just cut Andy Isabella. He was the second. Christian Kirk left his franchise, got $20 million from Jacksonville. He was the second not too long ago. They traded a second for DeAndre Hopkins. They traded a first for Hollywood Brown. I think if the Cardinals are going to make an addition, it's going to be on the defensive side. They are too pedestrian and outside linebacker, uh, losing out on Asan Reddick, who they did have interest in reuniting with. To me, and I think you're going to see it with Jalen Hurts on, on Sunday, there are areas to exploit where this – this front seven for Arizona, my biggest Achilles heel for this team, once everybody's healthy, is it's just too pedestrian, too reliant on 34 or 33-year-old J.J. Watt and his injury history. So I, if I'm if I'm the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff for Philadelphia, I would try to get Jalen Hurts out in space. Cardinals have had a ton of issues. And go back to the L.A. Rams loss with McVay, where we just saw how limited this, this L.A. Rams offense is, but it had no problem picking apart Arizona's defense with the screen game, I mean, the Cardinals are going to have trouble containing A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith out in space. Um, I don't think the Eagles are going to do them any favors, but if they did, they would get conventional run Miles Sanders on first and second down and then force Jalen Hurts in, in positions where he has to convert third and long. Um, that's where the Cardinals would like to put him, but I, I guarantee you that's not where they're going to want to be. They, they want to keep these third downs short and manageable, um, and the Cardinals have trouble getting teams off the field when it's third and five or less. You brought up Hassan Reddick, who uh, is one of my favorite players, has been since he was in high school. He went to high school 30 minutes from me, so I've known nice. about Hassan since you know the good old days. And uh, when he got drafted in 2017, it was obviously in Philly. I was there, and I was hoping the Eagles were going to draft him. And then one pick before the Eagles picked, the Cardinals took Hassan Reddick, mm -hmm. uh, makes his return to Arizona in an Eagles uniform, this year, what do you think the uh, reception for Hassan is going to be this weekend? Well, it's funny because he he came home last year with Carolina and proceeded to beat the shit out of the Cardinals. The first, <laughs> I think, first possession last year when Kyler was out, Colt McCoy's playing. He set he strip sacked Colt McCoy and really set the tempo for that game. Cardinals lost to a bad Carolina team last year. Um, I, you know, Cardinal fans came around on him. He, his development got mismanaged. They tried to force him to be an inside linebacker. It was a disaster. It, you know, give credit to Vance Joseph. He showed up in Arizona in 2019 and said, this guy should be playing outside like he did at Temple. And he proceeded to have 13 and a half sacks. The Cardinals did not hedge their bet. They should have franchised him and, and made him earn it year to year because they, you know, people I know, people I trust said the Cardinals did not think he could do it again. And then, of course, he does it in Carolina. This week, he was just the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. So, I mean, the Cardinals are far from perfect. They botched the development. That, that's one of the kind of going to be the kind of the what ifs of Steve Kime, the GM's career is just had I just put him where he was supposed to go day one because the Cardinals, if your fan base doesn't know this, are infatuated. Steve Kime is infatuated with with finding that white whale inside linebacker. You know, first it was, you know, Kevin Minter, Dayon Buchanan, Hassan Reddick, Isaiah Simmons now, who's disappointed, Zayvon Collins, who was their first round pick last year. They thought that Hassan Reddick could be that guy, and instead they 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 probably cost him a fair amount of money. If I was him, I would hold grudges against the franchise because had he gone to Philadelphia, 
Kyle or, or somebody like Pittsburgh or, or the or the Chargers even, most teams would have just played him in his natural position and he would have gotten paid far earlier and for more money than he did. So it's it's unfortunate that it worked out this way. 99% of Cardinal fans wish they he was still in Arizona. Yeah, we're loving him being home, and uh, sure. he's been fantastic. And, you know, you look at this Cardinals defense, and we we brought up, you know, some of the weapons outside for Kyler Murray. But looking at, uh, you know, the Cardinal defense now going up against the likes of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins in the slot who can, you know, burn just about anybody uh, in the NFL with his speed. You have Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. How do you view this Cardinals defense just in the grand scheme of things, trying to stop anything that this Eagles offense can present with all the weapons that Jalen Hurts now has? It's going to be interesting. Again, it's it's going to be, can they, you know, contain Jalen Hurts from a running standpoint? He wants to run to throw, um, and that's a compliment to him. He, he has ascended each of his first three years as a passer. Uh, I was high on him coming out uh, second round now in the grand scheme of things. What would the Niners do for somebody like Jalen Hurts? It's kind of ironic. Um, but, I mean, the Cardinals have athletic players in their back seven. Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Byron Murphy, who's breaking out this year. They're getting back one of their top quarters in Antonio Hamilton this week. But for me, it's it's the front seven. It's the outside linebackers. You know, Devon Kennard is a liability. Marcus Golden is you know, capable as a pass rusher, but in space, not ideal. You know, Zayvon Collins is coming into his own second-year linebacker out of Tulsa, still not where you'd love him to be. And then Isaiah Simmons, I mentioned, it played about 80% of the snaps last week. I mean, it's just that that pick as a top 10, top 8 pick has been a, an unmitigated disaster. The Cardinals would love a redo on Hassan, or excuse me, Isaiah Simmons, not Hassan Reddick. They'd also love a redo on Hassan <laughs> Reddick. On Isaiah Simmons, um, they thought he was going to be this transcendent unicorn-esque type of player um at the inside linebacker role and it's just jack of all trades master of none as my co-host bo brock likes to say um he's going to be matched up against potentially slot receivers dallas goddard um byron murphy's going to have the tall task of, of covering aj brown now what i will say is that byron murphy does better because he is a big physical corner against big physical wide receivers where he has trouble as a smaller slot shifty receivers like a tyler lockett uh, if you go back to their week two victory at the Raiders, he shut down Devontae Adams as much as you can. Two catches, 12 or 15 yards. Now you might say that's more about what's going on with their head coaching staff, but Byron Murphy is very capable. He's their best defensive back at corner. And then their safeties can cover a little bit as well. So, I mean, the Cardinals are going to be relying on their, on their back seven, their front seven could get exposed. Now with Byron Murphy, you know, you bring up what what he excels at. Is he a guy that would follow somebody if they switch the field, if they put A.J. Yeah, Brown on absolutely. one side? Yeah. Because I was thinking, you know, if they put Devontae Smith there, would they try to exploit that potentially and use Devontae's speed and just his, you know, ability to pinpoint the ball and try to get that my, matchup? Yeah, my guess is second-year corner out of Florida, Marco Wilson will be on Devontae Smith. That's a favorable matchup for the Eagles, but – Marco has the best speed of, of anybody in the secondary, um, and he, he ought to be able to run with him. Marco had the tall task last week of being on DJ Moore and, and did his best. Um, you know, he had a couple catches in the first half, but was very limited by Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I would not be surprised if he jet set it out of Carolina, but I, I would imagine Marco Wilson is going to give up his fair share of, you know, open targets and clean looks to the, um, um, Smith and and they the Cardinals are probably comfortable with that. They they do not want to let AJ Brown beat them. 
hey, I just I just want the Cardinals to uh, go back and watch that Commanders game tape. Because I know he was fantastic. I would have loved him to fall to Arizona when they picked in the middle of the first. They had interest in trading up for him. It was uh, it was one of it's one it's been one of those things when you drafted Devonte Smith and it, everybody was talking. Eh, he's too small to play in the NFL. It's like. He won the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. That doesn't yeah. happen every year. Yeah, it's that that receiving core with the, those two horses at the top end. You just hope AJ Brown can stay healthy and and doesn't get nicked out. But it's what you should do. Like you mentioned, you surround your quarterback with talent. That's what the Cardinals are trying to do with the likes of Hollywood and DeAndre. So it's too bad Philadelphia doesn't get to experience that this weekend. With uh with Kyler Murray, you know, obviously there was the the contract, you know, snafu and everything leaking out. Has that kind of subsided now in your eyes? You know, does it feel like the the Cardinals are kind of past that whole conundrum happening? I think so, but I mean, if this team struggles, the all the the blame is going to go on him and Cliff. And and Kyler, to me, I think has improved as a leader this year. He hasn't been his best, but I think again, a lot of that goes back to the fact that it's musical chairs at the receiver position. Um, the schedule has been difficult. Uh, I We still have not seen the best version of Kyler Murray this year, and Cardinal fans can take solace in that because that is coming eventually. Um, but with Kyler, I mean, he always wanted to stay with this franchise. He just wanted to be well compensated for it, and the Cardinals had very minimal leverage should he have requested a trade. I mean, they, they would have been in a position where, I mean, he is their franchise. More so, I even believe, when Larry Fitzgerald was here. This is the first franchise quarterback they've drafted and developed in the modern era. So you can't let that guy go. And I think, you know, Cardinals made some egregious errors during that contract negotiation, the addendum, the study clause being one of them. Um, But I also kind of give them slack. They have not negotiated contracts of this magnitude before. They wanted to protect themselves. They want Kyler to be better. Um, my pushback is, well, that, that ought to come from the head coach. And if you're not sure Cliff Kingsbury can do that, maybe you have a, maybe don't extend him and Steve Kimes. So everyone's kind of under the microscope a little bit, but I mean, if things go awry this season, Kyler will be the last man standing. The, the head coach, the GM presumably would be let go. Kyler's going to be with this franchise for better or worse for the next three to five years pending injury. And, and he gives them the best chance to win. I mean, Look around the landscape of the NFL. It's a dark, cold place if you don't have a quarterback. Ask Indianapolis, who, who probably feels like they've got a top roster, but they can't get the quarterback position right. One of the reasons why Cardinal fans should feel some confidence is that, yes, you know your your roster may be a little lackluster compared to last year, but Jimmy Garoppolo is, is the starting quarterback of the team leading your division, and Matthew Stafford does not look good this year. And Geno Smith, you know, this is a flash in the pan. I, I don't think that's sustainable, so... They they just they're trying to wait out kind of the disruption of the hierarchy in the NFC because there are so many moving parts. It's not like the AFC with Lamar and Herbert and Josh Allen and Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence now. I mean, the NFC, you know this. It's just a bunch of backups and journeymen. And so Cardinals like their chances if Kyler continues to to ascend, which I think he will. Yeah, and like we mentioned, like the Cardinals just trying to stay at around 500 I think that's more than maintainable for that team and if you're at 500 six games in without your best receiver and Mm -hmm. arguably you know a top two player on this roster um in the landscape of the NFC and especially the NFC West in particular with how up and down it's been like the Cardinals have a I think a legit shot from the outside looking in to win that division yeah I mean that would be nice I the Eagles know it better than anybody got into the playoffs last year with nine wins. I think that's about what it's going to take to get the seven seed again. And uh, 
They have not won the NFC West in seven years. It's been since 2015. They blew it last year, but they also didn't go through much adversity in the first half, and that did not serve them in the second half. And while Cliff Kingsbury still has to prove that he can win games in the second half of the year, it would mean something, I think, to this team to take their lumps now, to be around 500, to get DeAndre Hopkins back, to be healthy at the end of the year, and then see if they can make some noise in November and December. Something tells me that the – this team, for whatever reason, is going to play their best football at the end of the year. Now, it might be too late. They go on a losing streak, but games that were daunting to begin the season, like New England, maybe like the Chargers, look a little bit more obtainable. So we'll see what happens, but it'll be a sight for sore eyes when number 10 comes back to Arizona. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big boost for them. And Johnny, since the last time you've been on the show, we've incorporated a, a final segment that pertains okay. to our guests, the team they cover, some of the players on the team, and obviously the the big shining star there is Kyler Murray loves some Call of Duty. Uh, and I don't know how much of a gamer you are yourself, but I if you am, had the I opportunity <laughs> if you had the opportunity to sit down with Kyler, play some Call of Duty, what other two Cardinals players are you bringing to uh, that gaming session with you and well, Kyler? He, he, he streams games with Hollywood Brown, so I know Hollywood Brown would have to be one of them. That's his best friend. They play video games together off the field, so that's that's an easy one. As far as the other person, I goodness, I don't even know who else plays video games on the team. Maybe Cliff. Maybe you just bring Cliff with you. Just you got to you got to bring fun. Cliff for his house. Yeah, for sure. You would have the gaming <laughs> session at Cliff's house with Kyler and Hollywood. And if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, those are the two players that are going to help keep me employed. So we got to make them happy. Very true. Do you last one too? Do you think Cliff is uh, on the hot seat? Uh, you know, I get asked this a lot and fans are very reactionary for, for good reason. They pay money to, for this team to do well. Um, if this team has a disastrous kind of second, third tier season where you're winning five, six games, absolutely. The, you know, Michael Bidwell does not want to be the Jets or the Commanders where he's moving off coaches left and right. And that's why the Cliff got an extension. But I would imagine his his contract, which used to pay him five and a half million, probably slight raises, is, is movable. If he feels like he can't win games in the division, number one and number two, he is maxed out with Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray needs a different voice. That would lead me to believe that they he would move off of him. So if I had to guess right now, I would say he's back next year because I think the Cardinals are just going to be too competitive when they get their players back. But if things go awry and they are not competitive at the end of the year and Cliff has another second half just disastrous result, then I could see him being fired in January. The problem with that is, you know, Michael Bidwell, the owner, if he fires Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, they're not going to go get Sean Payton. He's going to be paying Cliff Kingsbury $30-plus million to go away. Same with their GM, because I can't imagine Steve Kimes around to hire yet his fourth head coach. So... You know, be careful what you wish for. The Cardinals once upon a time had to court Cliff Kingsbury to Arizona. They were fighting off the Jets. Um, So, I mean, there are options available, but what those would be, Byron Leftwich, I don't know. I I would prefer Cliff win games this year so we don't have to have that conversation. Yeah, uh, you don't want to go down the the path of, you know, going through coaches. And luckily, you know, we the Eagles had their little bump in the road with one Chip Kelly. Yeah. uh, kind of have fixed that since and won a Super Bowl. And now it looks like we got another good one with Nick Sirianni, uh, which is very exciting. Johnny, it's always a blast to have you on the show, my friend. Let everybody know where they can check you out, everything you're doing covering the Cardinals, follow you on social media, and everything you're doing with PHNX. Of course, my man. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny Venerable, covering the Arizona Cardinals every single day. 
at PHNX underscore Cardinals. Go PHNX.com. Quickly becoming the most popular Arizona Cardinal podcast in the world. You can find us at PHNX Sports on YouTube. Subscribe. Check us out. We're live later today, 4 p.m. every day, mostly at 4 p.m. Audio-only pods dropping here and there. But myself, Bob Brock, uh, trying to do do our best to, to serve the Valley uh, and Cardinal fans with some unfiltered Cardinal podcasts. So appreciate having me on. Absolutely. And, like, guys, just to put it in perspective, you all know I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but everything Johnny and everybody at PHNX are doing, it's incredible coverage, so go check it out. Even Thanks, if you're man. not you know, a Cardinals fan or an Arizona sports fan, it's incredible content, so definitely go check it out. Johnny, you're the best, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking on Sunday throughout the game because it's going to be a good one. Thanks, brother. Good luck to your Eagles. Everybody stay Appreciate healthy. It. Just throw us this one bone and then go on and go <laughs> one if you could. Big shout out to the homie Johnny Venerable for hopping on the show. Make sure you guys check out PHNX Cardinals. They do a fantastic job covering the Cardinals, and overall, PHNX does a great job covering all of Arizona sports. So go check them out. Show them some love, and because uh, Johnny's super supportive of what we do here at Underground. So shout out to PHNX and shout out to Johnny. Um, but it's going to be a big game. Eagles-Cardinals, I think this is a big test going in. It's not a look-ahead game, as Jalen Hurts mentioned during his uh, midweek press conference because the media here decided they wanted to ask him about a hoodie and ask him about you know nonsense, bullshit type of stuff when uh, we have a game to play. And the Eagles have a, a big test here of you know just continuing to roll, continuing to ride this uh, momentum that they have, and I think they're going to get the job done, so... Eagles Cardinals 425 happy Cardinals hate week uh if you are a Phillies and or Eagles fan we are not rocking with Cardinals at all this week that's going to do it for this episode of Eagles enemies presented by underground sports Philadelphia make sure you guys are following us at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311 Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify wherever you get your podcasts and leave those five star ratings and reviews unsubscribe and resubscribe it helps play with the algorithm and uh be a friend and tell a friend tell them to subscribe to the podcast feed it's where you get eagles enemies every single week during eagle season and then uh of course make sure you guys subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel you get full video episodes of every underground sports philadelphia podcast including eagles enemies for the very first time in full video form Subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on Eagles Cardinals this week, and uh, it's going to be a doozy of a matchup. Looking forward to it. Again, shout out to Johnny Venerable for hopping on the show this week. Let's enjoy a game out in the desert, 425 Eastern Time, Star Eagles Cardinals. Let's get into it. But this has been Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your boy KB, and as you guys always know, it's Go Birds! <laughs>